Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It's Thursday. It's Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. My guest co-host for the day. Uh, he is the sports director at KHON2. His name is Rob DeMello. Robbie D, what's up, man? How's it going? What's up, bro? I'm, I'm doing good, but I'm not doing as good as you. Color coordination head to toe with the burnt orange and black <laughs> and white. Man, this is... I wish you guys could see this uh, there in Radio Land. Uh, my man looks smooth right I, now. Uh, I really try to look as good as possible for the radio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I have the looks for radio, Robbie D. And uh, I'm coming to grips with that. And the voice for newspapers. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Thursday is a bit of a busy day for my man, Robbie. He uh, does us the pleasure of coming by and hanging out in the studio uh, for an hour midday, but it's also cover two night over at KHON2. Um, there was some uh, less than, let's say, stellar news surrounding OIA football this past weekend. Obviously, the Kalani Kalaheo game, which had to be postponed because uh, there was some oversight uh, regarding a scheduling of an officiating crew for that game. Uh, you had some uh, other issues in terms of officiating with some of the overtime rules and, and tiebreaker rules that uh, were not necessarily understood uh, in some other instances. Uh, it was kind of a weird week in high school football. What's on the agenda here for Cover 2 tonight? Yeah, it's been kind of a weird season, especially when, when the word schedule is thrown out there just based on what the OIA did uh, with so many open versus D1 games and, and you know that those crossover games and the ILH and OIA not really having that relationship anymore to fill that schedule. So I think the word schedule has been kind of cringeworthy here in the state when it comes to Hawaii high school football. But with that being said, uh, we're getting a little bit closer to the postseason for these leagues. And so you have some huge games this weekend. You have do or die games in D1, Aya against Nanakuli on one side and Castle Radford on the other where the winner advances to the league playoff. The loser season is over in D2. Uh, you only have four spots. Only Pearl City has claimed the spot so far. So you have Roosevelt, Kaiser, and Kaimuki all with an opportunity to clinch this weekend with victories. If they don't get those victories, then Kalaheo Kalani becomes a lot more important next week when they reschedule that game that wasn't played. And then, of course, Lahaina Luna playing Kamehameha yeah. Maui, although that is a D1-D2 game. It is a huge game for the island of Maui to kind of get a glimpse of, okay, who's the who's the supreme team this season over there in the Valley Isle because those are that's the cream of the crop right there uh, when it comes to Maui football. And, and so it's exciting for that to be televised and for not only um, the games to be played, uh, but for the games to be played on statewide television for all the islands yeah. to see what Maui football has to offer. Yeah. Those are the two best teams. It's going to be a bit of a, a Valley Isle celebration and certainly a celebration uh, around Lahaina Luna specifically on Saturday. Uh, we're sending a few more Spectrum Sports uh, crew members over, uh, including myself, to, to just sort of assist on the periphery uh, of that broadcast. Jordan Helley is going to be part of the broadcast as well, uh, Maui guy through and through right there. And so, yeah, I think that that's going to create hopefully uh, – 
an atmosphere that is befitting, uh, I think, something that is as profound uh, an accomplishment as Lahaina Luna playing football again under these circumstances. They obviously played last week, but this will be the televised game, and um, the next step will be, hopefully at some point, Lahaina Luna hosting a game at Sukuli Stadium in Lahaina, which is just one of the absolute uh, best facilities for prep football uh, in the islands. It is spectacular, and that's going to symbolically, I think, carry so much weight uh, if and when that happens. So uh, looking forward to that. Certainly going to be spending some time uh, on Maui here this weekend. Um, you start to run out of superlatives, though, right, um, when when getting back to Oahu football, uh, when Kahuku puts on a performance like they did this past weekend, right? You just sort of, like, empty the thesaurus at this point because, like, what else can you say about the level of dominance to this point by this team? They have put themselves on the national map. They are a team that uh, is among the cream of the crop on a national scale. And here they are in what was a highly anticipated game against Campbell last weekend, and they dominated. Uh, I mean, what else can you say? At, at what point do, do you... Uh, I, I would imagine for you, especially in being a producer and, and anchor for that Cover 2 show, uh, sometimes the discourse has to be kind of difficult because you just run out of stuff to say. Oh, absolutely. And especially when you get as excited about a number one versus number two in the state of Hawaii, which was Campbell versus uh, Kahuku, and then for the game to, to be played out the way that it does. 38-7 final score you know, for those of you out there. And, and obviously, I mean, sometimes it, it it's like you have to move the goalpost to try to explain what is happening here. And, and I think one thing that stood out that uh, you can kind of wrap your mind around is – you know, when it's all said and done, there's there's a handful of juniors, even sophomores, on this Kahuku defense. When it's all said and done, I think all 11, and you could say maybe there's even 13 players, like the first off the bench, that are all going to be playing FBS football when it's time for them to go to college. And that is not normal, right? I mean, we've had really good football teams here in the state of Hawaii where it's like, oh, man, eight, nine of these guys are going to be playing – FBS football or, you know, you have all of them that are going to be playing collegiate football on one level or another. But when you start looking at a team and you're seeing the names and you're seeing the the scholarship offers and you're seeing where they are in class and it's like, oh, wow, this guy's only a sophomore. I mean, top to bottom of that starting defense, every single one of them are, should be playing college football yeah. when, and, and, and FBS and in most cases, power five football. That is not normal, and and I hope that people who just love football and people who love identifying greatness, I mean, I hope they're enjoying what Kahuku is doing right now in this season 2023 because what is happening and the kind of talent that we're seeing out on the field all at one time, that is not normal. Yeah, so what does this most resemble? Is it is this level of, of dominance for Kahuku, what we are seeing just right now here at this flashpoint? I mean, is it... St. Louis of, of the glory years when they were winning 14 straight prep bowls and 15 straight prep bowls uh, slash state championships uh, under Cal Lee. Uh, do you have to go further back? Or, or what does this most right now resemble in your opinion? Yeah, I, I, I think um, you got to start talking about some of those great teams. Now, the hard part is when you go further back, right, to like that 1995 St. Louis team, which was just incredible. I mean, yeah, Dominic Raiola, Olin Cruz, Chris, Chris Fumatumafala, yeah. George Arnellis, Darnell Arsenal. Get out of here with R that stuff. Right? I mean, that that's unbelievable. And with that being said, 
recruiting isn't what it is today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that if you throw those 22 starters in 1995 into 2023, all 22 might be playing FBS That's college a good, football. That's a really good point. Right? And so it's a little hard when you're starting to look at it in that aspect, right? Because even when you look at 2019 St. Louis and it's Jaden Delore, Roman Wilson, Nick Herbig, Jordan Botello, I mean, the list goes on and on, right? It's like, oh, all those guys went on to do incredible things at the next level as well. Um, I, I think it's two different eras, and so it's a little bit harder uh, to compare them. But, yeah, I mean, when, when you start looking at this Kahuku defense specifically, um, they're, they're in the argument. They're in the conversation of uh, most dominant units in a Hawaii high school football history. And and will I put them number one? No, I mean, they're, they haven't even finished their season yet, and there's still a lot more to be seen. Um, but with that being said, uh, no other team's ever beaten a top yeah. three team in the nation, right? Like, I mean, there are things that sure. you have to add to your resume that that other teams can't say that they've done. Yeah, and, and obviously opportunities to play those exactly. games is is big. You didn't have that opportunity for that 95 team yeah. that you're talking about from St. Louis. But uh, but you're right. Those are all feathers in the cap of uh, this uh, Sterling Carvalho, uh, Kohuku, um, uh, this, this force that they're, that they're now experiencing right now, um, this, this dynastic team and program that they've put together. Uh, and it's always easy in the moment to kind of think like, wow, this thing, this thing could go for a while, right? And, and – you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, you just never know the ebbs and flows and, and evolution of, of prep football specifically. But that said, this feels like this could last a while. Like, it feels like what is what is on track right now at Kahuku, what they are doing is something that you would have a hard time imagining slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, and the one thing that I... I'd like to see change, and obviously we've we've had this conversation. Many people have had this conversation, and there's a lot of politics involved. There's a lot of reasons behind it, but you know another thing that's benefiting Kahuku is that they've had these crazy non-league games, right? I mean, you're playing the best there is, and then you have forfeitures, and then you're playing D1 teams. You don't have to play Mililani in the regular season. I mean, these are all helping the cause as well because you're getting up for these huge games. You're 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 testing your body and mind and spirit mm-hmm. to be able to go up against modern day and St. John Bosco. And then you have opportunities to not play your best players for four quarters. You have opportunities to, to try new things and to do load management and all these things as you gear up for the playoffs. If this was 2018, 2019, when the ILH OIA Alliance was still going on, I mean, you'd have to think about Kuku coming off of that St. John Bosco modern day back-to-back, and then they might be playing Mililani, yeah. Punahou, St. Louis, Kamehameha all in a row, yeah. right? And so this that definitely helps this Kuhuku team for sure. Yeah, I, I think when I'm talking about lasting power, it, it's kind of more just the dynamic of, of the thing that they've built up there. And it's always been special, right? That school means something on a different level to that community. They rally around that football program. Uh, they will have businesses in the area that will shut down on game days, Fridays or Saturdays or whatever. Um, and so there's something different, right? So that, that culture there, I think, plugs 
plugs uh, the players and student athletes that go through that program. It plugs them into something greater, right? And so that's always going to create excitement. Uh, I think that Kohuku has this, uh, because of the unique nature of that community, this this self-generation of talent uh, that not a lot of other uh, geographic areas around the island will have, certainly not on a per capita basis. But then what has also transpired is, and this is kind of the thing that Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado, uh, is Kahuku's cool, man. Like what what Coach Carvalho and, and, and you know, it, to, to credit of some previous staffs as well, what they've done is they've been able to uh, – put that culture front and center to where I think there are players uh, around the state and, and even elsewhere on the continent that look at that and they go, wow, that, that's something different and special and cool and unique. Uh, and so you add to the homegrown talent, if you will, that you have in that area of the island. And then you get transplants, you get players, student athletes that aspire to play in that uniform. And that's when you got something rolling. That's what happened in the glory years under Cal Lee at St. Louis. That seems to kind Kind of be what's happening over there at Kahuku right now. Yeah, and what's impressive too with what happens with Kahuku, I mean, you go back to Doug Simone, Siwaki oh, yeah. Levi, uh, Lee Leslie, Vavai Tata. I mean, you you put in uh, all these different coaches. I mean, even McCoy Freitas for right, the McCoy short Freitas, time that he was the yeah. head coach. Yeah, um, you put in all these different coaches, you know, within the same program. And yet the culture never changes, mm-hmm. right? It, it remains Kahuku football. I mean, you could drop Kahuku football in 2023 from the 1990 version, and you're like, yeah, that's Kahuku that's football. That's a really good point. Right? Yeah. And, and I think that goes to say or goes to show how strong that community mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. how strong the alumni is. Because, I mean, let's face it, the University of Hawaii has a lot of issues that they need to work with and work through. One of the main ones is that, is that – the football program resembles whoever the head coach is at the time, right? And that wasn't always the case. I mean, you go, you know, Larry Price, the Dick told me, the Bob Wagner, UH was UH, and it kind of remained the same, right? I mean, you could change offenses here and there, but rainbow football was rainbow football. Once you got into that 1999-2000, it completely changed. And then when June Jones left, then every coach that came in turned Hawaii football into what they thought Hawaii football mm-hmm. was. Yeah. And whether it's Norm Chow or Greg McMackin or Todd Graham, Timmy Chang, I mean, everyone had their own twist on what Hawaii football is. And when you look at Kahuku, it's been Red Raider for life. It's been the Haka. It's been, I mean, just everything remains the same. And I think that goes to show how strong of the culture yeah. is out there at Kuhuku. I think that's a really good point. And, and probably something that, as you related it to the discussion about the University of Hawaii, something that, uh, you know, UH is a prime example of is when you when you create a culture, right? When you establish, and sometimes culture comes out uh, of uh, just the kind of kids you recruit or, you know, what, what that program sort of represents in the style of play and, and the philosophies there. Uh, it can be systemic. It can oftentimes be associated with the scheme uh, that you run, right? Um, I, I think, you know, even to this day, there are programs like Navy, Georgia Tech, where they're associated with a certain style of football. And I think that that happens in different stretches for the University of Hawaii. And it is when you had these specific head coaches that entered the fray that thought they were going to do something completely different. 
um, and tried to establish something completely different and sort of fractured that continuity, that's when you saw dips in, in the program. And while, you know, Kahuku hasn't been this dominant force throughout history, their style, their culture, their, their philosophy, the way they approach the game of football, that has remained a constant regardless of what regime was in charge. So I think that's a really phenomenal point. There's uh, one other game that I think might, uh, you know, among the others that are going to be interesting here this weekend, uh, but you got the rematch, Damian and Iolani. Uh, what did they combine for over a thousand total uh, offensive <laughs> yeah. yards first time and around? A thousand points. <laughs> that was. A, that's uh, actually that's the game of the week this oh, week uh, on cover two, and I'm super excited. Billy Hall and I were at volleyball practice, Rainbow Wahine volleyball practice the other day, talking about how excited we are for this game, and um, because and, and then too, it, it, it's kind of a playoff situation where if Iolani wins this game, they're the ILH Division One champion. They're going to the state tournament. Damien will not. Wow. If Damien wins this game, then it forces an ILH championship game winner take all. And uh, some it, stakes uh, here. There's, there's some high stakes in this one. And and based on how that first game went, where Damien jumped out to a huge lead, Iolani was able to walk him down and, and get that victory. It was the game of the year so far in Hawaii high school football. What was it 16 combined touchdowns in that game or something well, it was like 63, that? 63-56, I believe, was the final <laughs> score, right? And uh, so, and really, it sets up to be another game like that because these two quarterbacks are phenomenal. The weapons they have are awesome. Uh, with all that being said, that means the final score is going to be five to three uh, because, <laughs> right? So we'll see what happens. But if you could, it, it, the game's being played at Farrington High School. Uh, so go on there and check it out. I mean, if, if you're not a supporter of Iolani or Damien, that doesn't matter. If you just want to see fun football, go and check out this game. Yeah, no, good weekend uh, of football coming up uh, on the agenda. And, of course, you can get ready for it uh, with Cover 2 uh, tonight on KHON. You want to give the full uh, the full uh, promo 9 there? 9.30 p.m. on KHON 2. Uh, yeah, Rich Miano, RJ Hollis. Mitch Riberall, Billy Hall and company. Yeah, we'll all be there. Good stuff. Uh, all right, Robbie D is in the house. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director. Uh, we are going to continue uh, this discussion. We'll talk uh, football, but we'll kind of switch gears a little bit uh, and we'll uh, focus a little bit more on University of Hawaii football. They have a, a matchup with San Diego State. There's going to be a nationally televised game for Hawaii coming off of a bye week. San Diego State's been riding the offensive struggle bus here this season. Uh, Hawaii has been a little bit up and down, so uh, we'll get into the discussion of uh, maybe what to expect expect here uh, come Saturday Hawaii taking on the Aztecs but upgrade your island style with Kahala the original Aloha shirt since 1936 pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island wide or at kahala.com you're listening to let's talk sports What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Robbie D, Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, is my special guest co-host here for the day. Uh, you have University of Hawaii football taking on San Diego State here uh, this weekend. Uh, this is a CBS Sports Network televised broadcast. Of course, you can uh, listen to the radio call, the Veneri Bradas, uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu. Um, 5 p.m. start time uh, for this uh, this game, 5 p.m. kickoff, so a little bit different. And uh, we are not going to be working this one with the Spectrum Sports pay-per-view coverage, uh, but we will the following week when uh, we go on the road to do Hawaii and New Mexico in Albuquerque. Uh, and that's always interesting uh, because a little bit of inside baseball um, when we do the pregame, the game on 
open, Rich Miano and myself. We sort of pre-tape that, right? And then you guys are back in the studio, wherever that tends to be set up. Sometimes it's at UH, sometimes it's at Mililani. Um, and so uh, we we sort of pre-tape it and, and, and kind of feign as though it's live and we're talking story. And a funny thing happened the last time we did this from Vegas where uh, Rich and I pre-taped it. Uh, and usually what happens is uh, we imagine, okay, uh, Rob's going to be tossing to you guys, so uh, get into it as if that happens. So uh, we're pre-taping this segment. It's like, hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Appreciate it. Yes, we are here in Vegas or whatever. And uh, you told me afterwards uh, that it seemed pretty seamless. Like it actually seemed. If someone was watching it, they would uh, be thinking like, oh, I guess I guess they were actually talking to one another live in the moment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know what you're going to say. And, and I'm not privy to how this recording went. <laughs> And so I was just, yeah, tossing over to you. I'm like, all right, well, let's check in with the guys, Canoleji and Rich Miano, who are in Las Vegas. Uh, fellas, take it away, or whatever it was. And you're like, yeah, that's right, Rob. We are here in Vegas. And the way your infliction went and everything, and I was like, whoa. And so I had to ask them. I was like, is this live? And they're like, no, no, this pre <laughs> and, uh, and And, yeah, so that I, I like when that happens mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it you could really mess me up, though. It opens up the door for some things. Because I started thinking about yeah. this. Because we have basically the first jab, so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you you don't even know what's coming. Uh, Rich and I can just go ahead and just say whatever. And then it's up to you guys to have to adjust. So I'm thinking, I got all these these ideas that are uh, flowing in my brain here, brainstorming what, what we could possibly do. Because I'm thinking, next time we pre-tape it, it's like, hey, thanks a lot, Rob. And nice mustache. <laughs> or something like that. And then you'd have to go along with it. We've already pre taped it you gotta do something so you'd have to like draw on a mustache or something like that or maybe i could be like uh hey thanks a lot rob by the way a feather boa interesting choice for <laughs> <Yeah>. a tire <laughs> a quick anyone got a boa <laughs> yeah yeah you, yeah you know yeah and i'm kind of scared now now that we've figured this out because you could be like really that's who you're voting for <laughs> yeah. you could really kind of make make things interesting out there but now that i know this i can kind of do the same i could say something i could ask you a question and, and you not answering it would make you look pretty bad right i could be like kanoa you're my best friend i love you so much you're like hey thanks a lot Rob. <laughs> yeah, right and nice feather boa yeah. you're like wow what <laughs> yeah. a jerk this guy is he's not even wearing a boa yeah no i like that idea a lot absolutely oh man hey so uh if you're not already uh Punched into the uh, pay-per-view package. I suggest you get on that train. I mean, it is worth every because penny. Because we're going to make it worth your while. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. By the way, really good Spanish that you just <laughs> exhibited there. So, uh, congrats. Over to Kanoa Leahy. Take your hands off of Rich Miano's neck. Why would you do that? Oh, we're going to battle. Oh, it's on. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. By the way, you can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. So uh, that's going to be in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico versus Hawaii. That's next week. This week, Hawaii coming off of a bye and playing host to San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State's been riding a bit of the offensive struggle bus here uh, this season. I think they're only averaging 19 points per game. They're on a four-game losing streak. Um... I think they what they got smacked down 49-10 by Air Force, um, and I think over the course of the four-game losing streak, they have scored 10 or fewer points three times. So um, this isn't necessarily anything new for San Diego State from the standpoint of 
they're always more defensive oriented and the offenses kind of dragged along for the ride throughout the season. But this is a particularly uh, difficult stretch here for San Diego State from an offensive standpoint. Uh, how do you see this game playing out and how valuable has this bye week been, you think, for Hawaii? You know, to be honest, I have no idea how this one's going to play out. Just because you're looking at two teams that are in the same boat where they're just doing everything they can to try to find traction, especially offensively, right? To get like, how do we get this thing going? How do you got to get this momentum going? And and uh, as you mentioned, San Diego State, this isn't anything new. I mean, the, the only difference between this season and other seasons is that their defense isn't, like, extremely dominating, right? Where it's the best defense in the Mountain West Conference, and they're not letting anyone into the end zone. And so they can win ball games by scoring 14 points at times, 17 points, and they could win those games 17-3 to 3 or 17-7. to 7. Um, you know, the difference this year is the defense isn't as dominant as it usually is. With that being said, there are good defensive players that the Aztecs have. And, and so it's going to be really interesting, man, because another thing you see throughout the course of a season, a team that comes into a season with such high expectations and they start the season 2-0 and and you're thinking like, hey, this is San Diego State football. We're going to see what we're going to see. And then to lose four straight and to lose in the fashion they did – you know, you lose some of that armor, that invincibility, mm -hmm. and you start to kind of forget who you are. And, and so, uh, you know, th there's a it's a slippery slope for San Diego State. They might not come into this game with the usual confidence that they do when facing the University of Hawaii. And that's something that the Rainbow Warriors need to take advantage of by starting strong, right? I mean, if they can get off to a good start, something they haven't been able to do all season long... That could do a lot to the psyche of San Diego State, who right now is trying to grasp at trying to to, to remain the the superpower that they once were. And so this is going to be a really interesting game, especially when you look at both teams coming off of bye weeks. Uh, I have no clue what, what's going to happen. Um, but if you look at numbers-wise, this could be the lowest-scoring game in the history of college football. I, I'm thinking about the last time Hawaii beat San Diego State, uh, which was in 2019. 14-11 yeah. uh, final score. That was the uh, penultimate regular season game for uh, Hawaii. That was uh, Rolos last year. They would end up going uh, on to the Mountain West Championship game, and then they beat BYU in the Hawaii Bowl. Um, but yeah, 14-11 final score. That's kind of seemingly a possible uh, sort of result here uh, as far as the arithmetic is concerned. Um, that has been a facet of this Hawaii season that's been a bit head-scratching. The slow starts each and every week, right? And these are scripted plays in most instances, right? As most coaches do, most offensive coordinators, they'll script anywhere between six to, to a dozen plays uh, just to kind of get uh, uh, settled and, and sort of get a feel for the game, hopefully get the, the players uh, on the same page and, and get into a bit of a rhythm here going forward and then start making the adjustments as the game progresses. But that just hasn't quite worked out for Hawaii here this season. Uh, that's been kind of pe peculiar, right? Yeah, and, and really when you go back and you look at the first drives especially, I mean the amount of sacks given up on the first drives, not just first quarter. They've been outscored 66-17 in first quarters this season, but it's the pressure, and, and, and even if it's not sacks, it's quarterback hits on the first drive of the season, of the game. You saw it against Albany. You saw it against UNLV. You saw it against Stanford, right? And you have these three and outs, and, and a lot of it is just because there's someone in the face of Braden Shager immediately. And, and it's really interesting, too, because you look at the sack numbers 
and it's horrible. They're one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to sacks allowed Mm -hmm. with 25 uh, on the season. That puts them at 128th out of 133 teams. But you look at first half versus second half, they give up uh, far fewer sacks in the second half of games. And it's really interesting how that works out because I would say that you'd almost expect the latter because – Guys' bodies are getting beaten down as long, you know, it's later into the game. And uh, but when it comes to the first quarter, it, it, that's where you have majority of your problems. Even against UNLV, they gave up six sacks in the game, five in the first half, right? And, and so, you know, I, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, obviously, Timmy Chang has talked about it about trying to script plays that get the ball out of Braden Shaker's hands quicker. But I mean, we're not talking about you know three seconds and he's getting hit. I mean. You know, a lot of the issues are floodgates opening, and I don't care what you scripted. I don't care what yeah, like called. jailbreak stuff. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, he's gonna get hit. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Hawaii's still just three points to show for any opening possessions on mm-hmm. offense. Only and, two and, first downs, and that came. Yeah, and that those three points came against U Albany uh, after the. Um, uh, what was it? The blocked punt, right? Set them up for a field goal, so they didn't have to get a first down. Uh, and those are the only three uh, points that uh, that Hawaii has to show for a first possession. So uh, that's got to change. But Hawaii's only averaging about 16 or 17 points over its last three games, too. So uh, yeah, this this could be a battle of offensive attrition. We'll see how it plays out here uh, this Saturday. Um, who you picking? Uh, I I think it'd be foolish to. To, I mean, because if we're talking uh, percentage chances of winning this game, right, like, you know, the ESPN meter, I mean, it'd be silly to say that it's not San Diego State should win this football game just based on roster, based on, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the, the, the history of the series. They've won nine of the last 11. Uh, I don't think the University of Hawaii has shown anyone anything to where, like, oh, no way, they're they're absolutely winning this game. Can Hawaii win this game? For sure. Absolutely. yeah, yeah. yeah. But if it's if yeah if you need one of those uh, 60 40 percent uh, you know who's the most likely to win this game, Hawaii's the underdog and for good reason. They could still win this game though. Yeah, I mean if you were going preseason through the schedule, this would have probably been one that you would have marked as as a likely L. Uh, I don't think it feels so much that way anymore. No, this it is doesn't. definitely a gettable game. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but and, it's gettable and important because when you look at the schedule here moving forward, I mean if Hawaii can steal a victory against San Diego State on their home field, coming off of a bye week. Then you got New Mexico, San Jose State, and Nevada before having to play Air Force, Wyoming, and Colorado State. You know, it's like we talked about a couple weeks ago. When when you look at trying to accomplish a winning season, trying to get to a bowl game, and all these check marks that you want to do, there needs to be a path Mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. If you don't beat San Diego State, that path becomes so difficult, right? Because you still need to secure at least four victories. And to guarantee a bowl game, it's five victories. And if San Diego State isn't one of them, then that path becomes very difficult to navigate. Yeah, I think you just have to play better. I mean, I, I, it, that sounds so trite and simplistic, but I, I think even beyond like the math of the wins and losses and what happens in those two columns, um, I think it's just Hawaii fans are hungry to see this team just compete better overall. Just look a little bit more rhythmic. Look a little bit more capable. Uh, there are too many of those dry stretches throughout a game. Uh, I think that that's been problematic. If they can show a little bit more, even in defeat, I think that that will... Um, 
allow some of the fans to feel like, all right, th- that quenched a little bit of something for us. It feels like we're making progress. Uh, and then obviously, if you can win some of those close games, if you are competing in that way, that changes the paradigm uh, considerably. Uh, by the way, how's your uh, pigskin picks going? <laughs> not w- sensitive not subject. Yeah, not doing good. Uh, I believe I'm in last place. Uh, every time I try to go out on a limb, it blows up in my face. Uh, every time I'm like, oh, well, I think this team's going to win, but I should go with this one because they are favored. That blows up in my face. I'm at the point now where every decision I make is the wrong one. And, you know, I was telling you earlier that what's funny is two years ago of this panel, I won the pigskin picks. And never heard a thing from anybody, right? No one ever said <laughs> There's anything. There's no trophy. There's no trophy. There's no, not even like, I don't even remember you bringing it up once. <laughs> like, hey, Rob, you're in first place. Uh, nothing. No one, but now I'm in last place and I can't get into my car without hearing the sports animals or you or anyone else <laughs> bring up like, oh, let's go over the standings of how this thing's going right now. We have Rob DeMello at the bottom. <laughs> Not fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also, truth be told, it's like everyone's only separated by a couple of games here and there. So it's just funny how, like, we put so much emphasis. Like, I obviously know way more about football than you do, Rob, because I picked one more winner than you have to this point. Uh, by the way, you can win a $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. So uh, sounds like Rob's not quite feeling the pigskin picks. We'll see what else he's feeling or not feeling when we come back right here on Let's Talk Sports. All right, welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy, Robbie D, Rob DeMello in the house. We have a couple of callers trying to get in here, so uh, let's try to squeeze these in. If we can make it as uh, quick as possible, uh, that would be appreciated. We have Don on the line, 808-296-1420, the number to call. What's up, Don? What's, What's happening? Yeah, thanks, Kanoya, and thanks, Rob, for taking my call. Anyway, concerned about huge football, I would like to see Coach uh, Chang be more uh, disciplined when the players get out of hand, you know, the penalties, uh, uh, taunting, and everything else. But if he can control that and uh, we can get off from doing that, we probably can win the games because we don't want any more penalties or uh, roughing or whatever they have you know, against uh, uh, the opposing team. It's very hard to uh, see that. I know Coach Jones was very strict about that, too, as he was coach. Yeah, well, I appreciate the call there, Don. I, I think I actually think Hawaii's been a little bit better on the, the penalty front. That was a fairly clean game overall mm-hmm. against UNLV. Um, but you're right. You know, I don't think Hawaii is good enough to be able to win if they're uh, also shooting themselves in the foot with, with some penalties. And, and there have been some egregious ones as well over the course of the season. You're talking about personal fouls and those kinds of things. So, yeah, definitely an area that they uh, have uh, looked at closely, and, and Timmy has put that messaging throughout the, the coaching staff uh, to the players. Like, we got to clean that up. And, and it looks like there's been at least a little bit of a cleansing of that. Yeah, and I think a perfect phrase that you just use is they're not good enough to have those penalties back you up and you having to now double the yardage that, that you had to do. Because the interesting thing is that in the June Jones era, they, they would actually get a lot of taunting and excessive <laughs> celebration. But then that was what he would always say, right? Is that you look at your kicker and if you trust him that he can now make a further yeah. extra point, then go ahead and celebrate all you want, right? And Craig Swesterman was like, yeah, I'm going to punt this yeah, football yeah, into the exactly. stands. Yes. And so, the, yeah, I mean, the, there were some personal foul calls, but that was a team that was good enough to make up yeah. for it. No, that's interesting. All right, we have Junior on the line. Junior, uh, what's happening? Hey, good job, guys. Just wanted to say 
your professionalism and the uh, topics around UH sports are right on, and you're not too much of a Gary Dickman as a homer. But oh. anyway, just wanted to say... Uh, <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, Kanoa. No, 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 no. No. Say, no, no, no. I just said you guys are awesome, man, and you guys are telling it like it is and not holding punches, you know, but my comment to you guys is um used to listen to your grandfather and your dad really miss those UH footballs where we can watch the game after we saw the mm. game at Aloha Stadium. But um, what did your dad do during game day to prepare for, like, UH football? And what would he think of now we playing at Cook Field or Clarence T.C. Ching Field? And thanks. I'll take your answer off the air. All right. Thanks, job, a lot. thanks a lot, Junior. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pops, his, his, uh, one of his main mantras was preparation. Uh, and so I remember game days, it was like, uh, stay out of – pops his way because he's like stressing out he's studying he's preparing and so that was kind of what saturdays were about uh and you could see you know he was always very well prepared i think uh for uh, for any broadcast that he did uh and he probably would be among the voices uh sharing displeasure at where the the program is certainly as it pertains to the stadium situation the stadium debacle uh he would certainly have some criticism uh about that not not necessarily even from the university of hawaii standpoint uh but certainly for some of the legislators and elected officials who allowed for this thing to get out of hand. I mean, Aloha Stadium, uh, it was condemned in December of 2020. It is 2023, almost 2024, and Aloha Stadium still standing. Still standing. Like, that, to me, is crazy, and, and Pops would have probably shared uh, in, that, uh, in that thought. He wouldn't have been feeling it. Let's uh, put it that way. Is that a good segue? Yeah, I like it. For a little segment we like to call feeling, feeling it that. or not feeling it. So let's get right to it here, Rob. We're going to try to uh, blaze through as, as many of these as possible. But uh, let's start with uh, a big sporting event for this past weekend. Feeling it or not feeling it, this past weekend was Elima Lay McFarland's final career fight. Uh, feeling it as in I, I think it was, you know, we've been hearing her talk about retirement for quite some time probably the last three four fights where it's been brought up in some capacity or another and that just you know to to have one foot in and one foot out of a sport like that uh you know with training camps and all that I, i just think that's so difficult i think she knows that she identifies that if anything i could see maybe one more fight to try to just end more on her terms and not uh, an injury within a fight that kind of ended it, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling it. it. I wouldn't be surprised, let's put it that way, if uh, this is the end of the road for Alima, who has a lot more to accomplish here outside of the the, the cage, and she's made that very clear with yeah. her nonprofit organization. I think the only question mark is just because the circumstances weren't ideal, right? She didn't make weight. It wasn't a title fight, at least from her vantage point. Uh, maybe some of the circumstances surrounding it weren't uh, the the way she envisioned it, and I'm just thinking maybe that's the one thing that would uh, propel her or motivate her to give it like one more go and just be like, all right, let, let me try to do this when, you know, I'm not trying to lead this fundraising campaign on behalf of the relief efforts on Maui, uh, you know, when, when I know I can focus on the training that needs to be done so I can make weight. I'm, I'm just wondering. I think that's the only caveat that uh, at least uh, possesses a little bit of uncertainty. All right, feeling it or not feeling it, Bryce Harper's stare down of Orlando Arcia last night. Uh, feeling it because there's there's no harm. He didn't punch him in the face or he didn't like drop kick him on the way to second base, right? And I wouldn't have been feeling that. But I mean, if you just stare at a guy who may or may not have said something the day before, 
I mean, it's it just adds to the energy and the passion. That's what I love about Bryce Harper is that every time you watch him play a baseball game, it feels like you're watching the World Baseball Classic, which is the most fun baseball to watch, right? Because everyone is just unfiltered yeah. in their emotions and uh, excitement. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it just it makes it more fun. And, and I don't know. I mean, if you're a Braves fan, you love it too because you're like, oh, yeah, we have a villain now yeah. in Bryce Harper. So I am – Feeling it. I think this is right now probably the best rivalry in baseball, uh, Phillies and Braves, um, and and I'm I'm here for it. And also like the whole Arcia comments, th- th- those were pretty innocuous as well. He's in the clubhouse and he's basically laughing at Harper because he got doubled up on that fantastic catch in center field. Uh, and so he was just like ha ha ha. That away Harper was basically the translation. And you had media members in there and they overheard it. So one media member in particular reported it. And I think the thing I'm not feeling is how the Braves are now talking about how that reporter was out of line. Like hey. He broke the sanctity of the clubhouse. It's like, well, there's cameras, there's media members, like anything that's said in there, that's fodder for the media. Like you have to know that. So it just feels like there's not really much of an actual controversy around this. And uh, if he says something that revs Bryce Harper up and he stares him down, I'm here for it. This is modern day Major League Baseball. Fantastic. Uh, All right. Speaking of baseball, feeling it or not feeling it, uh, pending this Phillies Braves series. And of course, they have a game four here uh, coming up uh, this afternoon, our time. Uh, the LCS matchups in Major League Baseball. So you have the D-backs who swept the Dodgers. They're awaiting the winner of this one. You got the Rangers and Astros on the other side. Feeling it or not feeling it, what we're going to see in the LCS yeah, I'm feeling it because uh, I think the Diamondbacks are a fun story. Uh, Mike Fetters, Yolani Grad, That's who's cool. the bullpen coach, 16 years in the majors, 100 saves, and, and never had an opportunity to go and play in a World Series. And so, obviously, um, it will be fun to see him be able to go on that journey. And whoever comes out of the, the National League Divisional Series between the Braves and Phillies are viewed as the favorite to win the World Series, likely. Uh, so that makes it an exciting series. And then on the other side, uh, for me personally, is the Astros and Rangers, the two teams that that I love to hate uh, being the American League West powers. <laughs> and so it's a win-win because uh, I get to watch one of them lose. Oh, I like it. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm not feeling the D-backs as much. I love the Mike Fetters angle. Um, but, you know, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks don't, really I think get a lot of people overly excited Dude, Corbin just as Carroll a might be the most fun baseball player to watch outside of Bryce Harper <laughs> okay maybe and and you know the Rangers I think they have flexed their muscle like that that lineup has some bats man and they are really really good and even with some of the injuries in the in the pitching realm like the Rangers are good the Astros are the team everyone loves to hate so I'm definitely feeling it a little bit more on the uh, ALCS side I am here for Phillies baseball that atmosphere over there in Philadelphia is unbelievable Bryce Harper is becoming in my opinion a hero of the game and really, you would have to say, among the big contract guys, right? And we'll see how this series plays out. But among the big contract guys, maybe the one who has been the best return of all of those mega yeah. contracts. You would have to say, based on his postseason performances, Bryce Harper may be the guy. When he was the one who was probably criticized the most for getting that kind of money, he's probably the guy that has provided the best return on investment. Yeah, this would this might take a while in research, but, I mean, you could make an argument all time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, where he was in his career, the age he was, how many years that you have on that contract, the amount of money that goes into it. And then for him to be able to play the way that he has. I mean, he's got to be in the conversation of like all time contract results. All right. We're going to uh, take a break. We're feeling the time constraints here. So we <laughs> yeah. got to move on best and worst when we come back. 
right, welcome back. We got to fly here. Time for our best and worst. Kanoa Leahy, Rob DeMello, what's your best, bro? All right, my best is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wearing their creamsicle <laughs> uniforms this weekend. You know how I feel about 1990s uniforms. I think that is the best era uniform in sports. And uh, you're going to see the Oilers this year. You're going to see the old Seahawks uniform this year. You already saw Pat the Patriot with the Patriots. I love it. Give me all the 90s uniforms. Hey, University of Hawaii, you're on the clock. How about throwing out those rainbows? Yeah, um, that's awesome, and I know how much you love those throwback unis. Uh, my best is uh, shouts to Kevin Wong, Spike and Serve Volleyball Club, reopening their location on Colburn Street, uh, and they added this really cool feature, uh, which involves uh, basically a Hawaii Move Lab. It has all these like saunas and saltwater float tanks, cold plunge, weight room. Uh, so congrats to them. They're really expanding their thing. They've helped students acquire more than $1.7 million in scholarships annually. All right, what's your worst? Uh, my worst is Dodger fans calling for Dave Roberts to be fired. I think that's just silly. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts go combined one for 22. Kershaw gets rocked. I mean... What you know? What go ahead, fire him so the Angels can hire yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or maybe change the postseason format. That's worthy of a discussion too, because uh, it, it, that seems to be an issue. And then finally, my worst. Uh, you just got to look this up. Blooper, the mascot for the Braves, calling out the Philly fanatic, who might be the OG <laughs> of all OGs in pro sports uh, mascotting. Um, it's just funny. Philly has eaten Blooper alive, and you got to look it up because uh, some of the Philly fans are very passionate about this mascot thing. The fanatic's not the goat, though. The Suns, Phoenix Suns, gorilla. Ooh, I think the San Diego chicken might have something oh. to say about that. All right, see you tomorrow, everybody.